Pastor Cliff Gleason, and I want to thank you for tuning in today to our worship service. Here at the Laconia Seventh-day Adventist Church, we worship Jesus Christ as our Creator, our Lord, our Savior, and our coming King. And we hope that you will enjoy this service with us, that you'll be inspired by the teaching and the music and every part of our service. So sit back and enjoy, and thank you for being with us today. Good morning. You know, I normally tell stories about animals, right? Well, I'm going to tell another animal story today. Like all, but this is a different one. This is about a dog that I had, and her name was Lass. And she was my first border collie. Now, Lass was a working dog. She herded sheep and goats, horses, chickens, geese, cows. Yep, she could take and herd them. And she did it, she was trained to do this. Well, sometimes when they did escape, and I'm going to tell you about a time that some stuff did escape. Lass was a dog that she and I spent a lot of time together, so we trusted each other. And sometimes I would give her a command and she'd look at me and go, do you really want me to go that way? She had that look. She goes, in order to get those sheep there, I'm not, I can't go that way. And she would take and kind of go the right way anyways and do the job right. And it was me messing up. And I learned to trust her on that. But there was other times I'd go, ah, no, I told you to go that way. And she would go that way. But we were bringing home a flock of sheep. I had a small flock of sheep given to me. And the woman that was giving them to me, she had... She had come along, and she was, the reason she was getting rid of the sheep is that she was very, very, very sick. So where we lived at the time, you drove in the driveway, and then you had to go across our lawn to get to the barn and the, and the pasture. And so we were bringing the sheep across the lawn, and some of the sheep took off running in the opposite direction. And... They ran across the road out into the woods. Well, the woods that were out there was a big, big area of woods. Hundreds of acres of land. And, and I'm like, oh great, this, is, this doesn't look good. We got the other sheep that we had a control on. We got them into the, into the pasture, got them locked up. And there was, there was about three or four sheep that had taken off across. And I didn't know what else to do, and I'm like, this looks really bad, because she wants us to take care, good care of her sheep, and here we've got three or four of them running in the woods. And I just looked at Lass, and I've never, I had never done this before. I looked at her and said, Lass, go get them. Bring them to me. And she took off running. 
she took off running, she ran across the road, and three or four minutes I hear all this noise, this crashing coming through the woods. And all the sheep are running in front of Lass, and she brought him right to me. <laughs> and we put him in the we put him in the pasture. I trusted she could do it. And she knew that I trusted her, and she went and did that. There was other times that she would take and get between me and a ram that wasn't very friendly. And she would get butted. Bud? He was friendly sometimes, but, but she would get butted rather than me. She would take and she would protect me. And she, there were times that I would send her into an area and she'd look at me like, are you sure? She just had that look in her eye. Are you sure? And I'm like, you can do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like that. And she would go in and she'd keep looking at me. Are you sure? And I would just keep speaking to her. And she would go and she would do the job. She'd bring some, a friend of mine's cows and stuff like that. Um, and she would just do it as long as I was, I'd be talking to her. You know, we've learned to trust each other. Well, why did we learn to trust each other? We spent so much time together. We spent a lot of time together. I spent more time with that dog, I think, than with any other dog I've ever had. And she and I knew what the other one was going to do, basically, just by how we, how we would move or what we would say or how she would look. I knew which way she was going to go. And it was because we trusted each other. We spent so much time. Well, you know, we were taking care of sheep. And, and the sheep had to learn to trust that we were doing the best for him too. But she would take and she would, like I said, she would get in front of a ram and, and she would get butted rather than let me get butted. And she might grab that ram right by the nose with her teeth and she'd back him out of the barn. But you'd take him for that and then you'd put her in a pen with lambs and she would just push him with her nose. You know, Jesus says that he is our good shepherd. And his sheep trust him. You know what? We're the sheep. Did you know that? If he's our shepherd, we're the sheep. And we need to trust him. And one way we learn to trust him is spending lots of time with him. Because he has our very best interest in mind. And he takes care of us. And we learn to know what he wants. And he learns to know us so much. But we need to learn to trust. And that's what it's all about. Trusting Jesus. Because Jesus has promised us many things, hasn't he? And he will always come through with those promises. So before we go back to our seat, why don't we fold our hands and learn a prayer. Dear Jesus, we want to thank you that you are our good shepherd and that you are there always taking care of us. Lord, help us to learn to spend time with you, that we can trust you. That you will, you have our very best interest in mind. And also we want to thank you that you have given us animals that we can learn all sorts of lessons from. And how 
you have created them to show us these things. And we just want to thank you for that. So now as we go into the rest of this service, we just ask that you will guide us, that you will help us to listen to you, and that you will show us your great love. Amen. Can we go back to your seats. Our scripture is Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version. That's Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord, the, pardon me, the word which came to Jeremiah the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Our speaker today is our friend Dan. We're glad that you're with us today. We'll look forward to what you have to share. Good morning. The study we're going to be going on today is from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 18. But before we get into that, you know, this title is the vessel, A Vessel in the Making. Before I get into that, I, I want to take and go into Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. And he sits as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness." Who are the sons of Levi that he's talking about? The priests. The priests. Specifically there. Okay, let's take and let's look at it uh, in today's terms. Who's the sons of Levi? We are. The church is. They're the ones that kept the sacred oracles, right? The sons of Levi. What is the, the job that we have been able, we've been given to? Yeah. We're the sons of Levi. And he says he's going to purge us. That he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi. He's going to purify us and purge them as gold and silver. How does a refiner purify silver and gold? With fire. And how does he know when, that's, when, that, when it is refined to the, to the right amount? 
that all of the dross has been taken off. Do you know how he, he knows that? He sees his face. He sees a perfect reflection. The surface becomes as a mirror. When he sees it, then he shuts the heat off. You know, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what trials and tribulations each of, each of you are going through. I know what I'm going through. And do you feel the heat being turned up? There's days it just feels like you're going to burn up. But Jesus says that he's going to purify us as a refiner. We aren't going to get burned up. When the dross is burnt off, he's going to shut the heat down. You know, in Isaiah chapter, chapter 1, verse 25, it says, I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your dross, and I will take away all your alloy. All the impurities. And if we turn over to Isaiah 48, verse 10. He says here, it says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. You know, for about the past 10 years, there were certain situations that I had gone through. And some of it had to do with people in authority. And I got so, I don't trust people in authority. I just, it's, it's, you know, when there's someone in authority there, it's like, I'm backing away. It's like, I don't want anything to do with them. I've been burned too many times. And the problem is that when you get to that point, Sometimes you have a hard time trusting God. And that gets a pretty difficult situation. Most of you know about 10 weeks ago, I wrestled with a power tool. And it won that round. You know, being a self-employed carpenter, being out of work three weeks, if you're not working, no money's coming in. You know, and it's like, oh man, how am I gonna do this? You know, one of the first things that once the shock of 
looking at the fingers, the next thing is like, oh, great, now what am I going to do? <clears throat> you know, went to the emergency room, no insurance. And I'm like, thinking, oh, great, this is going to be years to pay this thing off. When we got the bill, because we're self-pay, they took two-thirds of the bill off. You know, and all this time, you know, I'm, God's going, do you trust me? So when you asked Edna, how's your trust? I said, we'll get into it. You know, do you trust me? Okay. Then I go to the hand specialist. Had to make the appointment. And, you know, I told him I'm self-pay. And I says, how much is this going to cost? For this visit. And the gal says, oh, the normal visit is between two and four hundred dollars. And I went, uh. and you know, this happened in the middle of the week, so I hadn't gotten paid for what I had worked. And I said, they said, but you know, we can make arrangements if you take, bring in, you know, a hundred dollars, I think it was a hundred or a hundred and twenty-five dollars, whatever it is, we'll make arrangements to pay. So I said, okay, well, we'll be doing that. And we get there and we're talking to, to the hand specialist. And he says, I said something about the primary care and talking to him. And I said, it's my brother-in-law. And he goes, oh, where does he, where does he practice? And I says, Brunswick, Maine. He goes, oh, I was going to take a job in Brunswick. And then this game, and he says, good. You know, he says, this is a better situation. And I says, oh, yeah, wh who was that with? And he says, oh, that, that group fell apart, you know, so it's good that I'm here. And um, Kathy spoke up and said, well, you know, we said that it was her, her brother, you know, that was the primary, my primary care. And he says, she says, he's at Parkview. And he goes, oh, the Seventh-day Adventist. Church-owned hospital. Yeah. So then we were talking, and Kathy says, "You know, well, you know, we're self-pay, and and um, you know, if there's something, if there's things that we can do to help keep the costs down." And he goes, "Don't worry about it. I've already mitigated the price." And I and I'm thinking, "Oh, he knocks them off." Well, yeah, he knocked everything off. You know, and God's going, do you trust me now? You know, and so he keeps saying, "Do you trust me?" Five days into the, into the, um, after after this happened, each day I was getting sicker. And come to find out, it was I was having an allergic reaction to the, to um, the antibiotics. And 
Kathy called her brother and he says, you need to call the orthopedist you're dealing with. And who's on call? Because it was on a Sunday. And um, she calls, she tells him what's going on. He goes, without hesitation, he goes, it's, it's a med- medicine-induced, get him off from it. Take him off from it. He's had enough. He needs to be off from it. And I'm glad that he was the one that was there that, that day. To He recognized what was going on and got me off from it. You know, in all this time, God's going, do you trust me? Like I said, uh, there was a situation during the time, and I had prayed about it, and I had to deal with somebody in authority. And like I said, oh, I just shut down. And, and I was complaining about having to deal with this. And God's telling me as I'm driving, um, but you prayed about it, and I answered your prayer, and everything worked out. What are you complaining about? Do you trust me? You know, and it's a hard thing when you've been through certain cir- circumstances to take and get over that. To trust. When you feel like you've been burnt so many times. To be able to trust. So yeah, seems like the fire's turned up. But what's it doing? It's burning off those burning off the dross. Can I trust him? Refined in the furnace of affliction. You know, some of us tend to be a little pig-headed and stubborn. I know I do. And um, maybe I have to go through a little bit more because of that to get me to listen. You know, it's still that work of do I trust? Like I said, the praise this week, praise is that there's been a bunch of stuff going on and God worked out some stuff that we never thought would be possible and to help to rectify the problem by bringing other people in that just was incredible on a very short notice. It was like, called the person who says, yep, be here, da-da-da, we'll take care of it. Okay, (laughs) you know, and it was like I could sleep afterwards. You know, so it was how God is working. He is trustworthy. It's, are we willing to trust him? So that's kind of the introduction to this, this study of the vessel in the making. If we turn over to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. I love this chapter. The potter and the clay. I apprenticed four years as a studio potter. So when you read this, 
if you haven't done pottery, I know Dan's done pottery, it gives you a whole different idea of what God was showing. Showing um, Jeremiah. And I want to bring out some of those points. You know, it says the word, word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go to the potter's house, and I will cause you to hear my words. And I went to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. Okay, let's stop there for a minute. Potter's wheel is spinning, spinning around. And it's, you make pot, you, you do your pottery on that. And you center the clay and you open it up and you, and you make a pot. But before you get to that point, you have to prepare the clay. Make sure the clay is ready. And it's wedging it. They call it wedging it. It's like, kind of like making bread. But you're not trying to get air into, into it like you do with, with, with bread dough. You're trying to get every bit of air out of it. Because if you have bubbles of air in that, when it goes into the fire, it explodes. I've seen inside of a kiln when a pot has exploded. It takes out everything around it, too. You know, and, and if it's in a glaze firing, it's all these little shards of pottery are stuck to the other pots because it's stuck to the glaze. So the thing is, is you've got to keep working it. And sometimes there's big air bubbles and you have to cut the clay in half and you slam it down to get that out. And you work that clay... There was, a, there was a time that I was, my apprenticeship was through the League of New Hampshire Craftsmen, and it was during their, it was down in Exeter, and they had um, an education department at that league shop, and I apprenticed to the teachers that were there. And I had quickly wedged up some clay, and it was sitting there, and the teacher grabbed one of the pieces of clay and there was an air bubble in it to do a demonstration. And I got quite a bit of harassment about not preparing my clay right. And I had a, I was getting ready to do a pot. I had set, it, set the piece of, of clay on the wheel and the telephone rang and one of my jobs was I had to answer the phone too. And I came back and I went to work the clay, sent to the clay, and the teacher had taken that hunk of clay off, hollowed it completely out so it was just one big massive air bubble. And when I went to center it, you have to put pressure on it, it just collapsed under me. And he said, huh, little air. <laughs> so, you know, just to remind me how important it was. But, you know, once the clay is ready, you set it on the wheel. And in order to get that clay centered in the wheel so the, the pot will be true, you center the clay. And what you do is you, you're putting pressure downwards and to the side as it's spinning. And it pushes that clay into center, into the very center of the wheel. 
by just putting a lot of pressure down and pressure to the side. And once it's centered, you take your finger or your thumb, I, I would normally use my thumb, and I would just take it right in the, the center of that clay, just push down and make an opening. It opens things up so, so it's useful. And you open it, depending upon how wide the pot is going to be, is how far you pull your thumb over. And that makes an opening in the clay. Then you start working the sides. Again, it's pressure on it and pulling upwards. Pressure on the bottom, pulling upwards. And once it gets up to the height that you want, then you start shaping it to make it useful, whether you're going to have a vase or a bottle where you would close the top in, or if you're a bull, you're going to work it out. And that's what the potter is doing here. It says here in verse 4, it says, The vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. <coughs> so he made it again. He took that clay off, that pot off, and he reworked the clay. And he started the process over. Do you suppose God is doing that to us? that we're marred because we aren't co cooperating. And we're marred, so he takes and he's, he's taking us and remaking us. And he has to start the process all over again, getting the clay the right consistency, wedging it, getting the air out of it, opening it up. God is working on opening our hearts. He centers us. He opens us up to receive Him. And then He makes us into the vessel that's useful for His service. Once that, clay, once that pot is made, He cuts it off the wheel and He sets it to the side. And He lets it dry. And not so it's rock hard dry, it's called leather hardness. It's, it's, it's a little bit pliable when you squeeze it, but if you squeeze it too much, it's going to break and real, or really deform it. And once it gets to that stage, he brings it back to the wheel and he tips it upside down and he taps it on center again as the wheel's spinning. And he secures it to the wheel and he takes a tool and he starts fixing the bottom of it, cleaning it up, cleaning the rough edges off, making a base that is going to be able to sit firmly so it's not going to tip over. When that's done, he takes it off the wheel and he lets it dry, lets it dry completely. And then it goes into a bisque firing. And that bisque firing is a low temperature firing. I say low, maybe five to seven hundred degrees. That's low, low temperature. Because if you're working with high temperature firing later on, you might be up 1800 degrees. So what it does is it prepares the clay to stand the, a higher firing. Make sure 
the, all the air is out of it? Is it going to be able to withstand the high firings? When that low firing is done, it's then brought out, it's cooled, and then it's glazed. Now, when you put a glaze on a pot, it looks like a chalky substance. It feels rough. You get glaze on your hands, it dries your hands out. You know, that's just a potter's life of dry hands. Between the clay and the glazes, it, it dries, dries you out. But when you take and you look at a pot that's just freshly glazed, it's a chalky finish. Dull, matte. And you know, what it is, it's a mixture of clay, a coloring, and a glass, silica. And the clay is there to help bind it to the pot. The color is for decoration, the, you know, the, the mineral that you put in, and then the glass gives it the shine. And it depends on how much glass is in it, silica is in it, whether it's gonna be a real glossy pot or kind of a, a matte finish or whatever's in between. So it gets glazed and it's set aside, lets the glaze dry. And then it goes back into the, into the kiln. And that's when the heat's really turned up. Is it really gonna withstand? But not only is it gonna withstand, this is what beautifies the pot. It's always fun to open a, a kiln up at the end of a glaze firing. Because depending on how hot it was in that part of, the, part of the kiln, you could have two different pots glazed with the same glaze but come out different because maybe it was a few degrees difference from the bottom to the top. You're going to have little different variations. And that's when it comes out and that's when it's totally useful and it's beautiful. Verse 5, and then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He says, I want to make you into a beautiful pot. Something's useful, something that's going to shine, something that's going to show that I am the potter. You know, you take and you look at different potters' wares, and you can say, oh, that was done by so-and-so, or that's done by so-and-so, because that's what they make. And God is saying here, I want the world to see that I'm your potter. That I have done the job, and I've made you perfect. I've made you shine. I've made you useful for my service. Not only that, I've made you useful to those around. That you are a useful vessel. A vessel in the making. We're all vessels in the making. Are we willing to allow God to be our potter?
Are we willing to trust Him? Are we willing to submit to Him? Just like He was asking Israel, will you let me be your potter? Will you be the clay? Will you be that vessel that shines for me? You know, when we feel sometimes like we're like that hunk of clay getting caught and slammed down to get the air out of us and the impurities out of us and um, then we feel the pressure of that of being centered God is centering us to make us useful and then he opens us up saying are you willing to let me continue the work and if you look at the potter, how the potter works that clay, there's so much pressure on the clay. When it's centering, when it's opened, it's being pulled. When it's being made into the pot, there's a squeezing process on both sides, on the inside and the outside. And then the shaping. And then the then the heat gets turned up. And we're dipped in glaze, and then when the heat really gets turned up. And when we come out of that heat, we have the mark of the potter. We have, so when people look at us say, we know that potter. We know the one that made him. He's got God written all over him. I just pray that each of us will submit to God as our master potter. That he will make us into the vessels that he has chosen for us. And that we can learn to trust him. Once again, I want to thank you for coming and worshiping with us through the media. And we're glad that you were able to enjoy this particular service. But we're hoping one day will come when soon you'll be able to come right to our facility. We're here at 241 Province Street in Laconia. And our services are on Saturday mornings at 11 o'clock for the worship service. 9.30 if you want to come earlier for the Bible study. You're always welcome. We'd love to have you come. And there's a special thing that happens on the second Saturday of every month. That's our fellowship meal. And we'd love to for, you, for you to be able to be with us and to stay afterwards and enjoy the lunch with us. Now, you may also be inspired to want to study the Bible some more. And we do have different Bible study aids. We can provide something for you to study through the mail. Or we can come to your home. Or we can arrange a small group study here at the church. So be in contact with us and we will be able to set up something that will meet your needs as best we can. Thank you again and we look forward to meeting you. God bless you in every way.